Good evening, church family. Thank you for joining us again for our Christian Ed class. As you know, things are looking a little different for us as churches right now trying to get on their online presence, but that shouldn't stop us from maintaining community and sharing the word. For anyone who is new, this is Pastor Riley and I'm Gavin and we'll be your discussion hosts tonight. I just want to take a few minutes once again to explain how this works. On your screen, there should be a place and a section on the window for comments. Please use this to comment, to add your point of view, to ask questions and contribute to the discussion. We will try to answer your questions promptly in the video. So everyone feel free to comment as much as you like and to reply to each other as well. We can start off the night by everyone saying hi so we know that you're here and that you're watching. This is a live event, so the discussion you hear and the comments you see are in real time, minus any lag in your internet connection. After the stream is over, the comments will remain open for a short time if you have additional questions or additional discussion. We are recording this session so we can post the audio on our website for anyone who is missing the live stream here on Facebook. And with that, let's continue our journey through Max Lucado's book, Life Lessons from John. And I'll hand it over to Pastor Riley. Oh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, brethren and friends, young and old. I welcome you to our discussion this evening and hope that the Lord will lead us into a deeper measure, that we will digest his word and that they will help us to walk in the right way. Uh, we will be doing lesson eight from Max Lucado's book. Uh, the title is The Loss of a Friend. The scripture is from St. John chapter 11 and we will read from verses 17 to verses 44. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Please bow with me out there. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless your name that you are God. You are the most majestic. You are God of the most high from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You are God through the good times and through the bad times. And so here we are, Lord, oh God, seeking more from your words, hearing from you, learning more from you, digging deeper in your scriptures. As your word have declared, they are for our learning and our admonition. And so this night, open our hearts and our minds, our intellect, Lord. Help us to understand. Help us, O oh God, to apply to our lives that we may be truer, sounder Christians. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We begin by looking at... Uh, uh, reflection, a little piece of it there. Page 62 of your books. Losses are never an enjoyable part of life, and losing a friend is particularly sad. God's presence in our lives should cast a slightly different light on losses, especially those caused by death, for even death does not limit God's power. We are never ready for a loss. It leaves an emptiness. But as believers, we do approach death differently. And so we learn from the scriptures how to uh, deal 
with those situations and how to walk and be true to who God has called us to be. So here's a question I would like to pose to you. Have you ever had a bad experience that turned out for good? Think about it. I know I've been through some that, you know, at the time I'm going through it, I would think, oh my God, why? But then after getting through it, I can look back and go, oh, now I understand. Uh, what do they say? Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. But here at times, if we, if we don't learn to trust God, we could get in a, a heated discussion with him about why this is happening to me. But he's God. He's in control and we learn how to leave the reins in his hands. I want us to read uh, from uh, uh, John chapter 11, St. John chapter 11, 17 to 44. I am reading the New International Version. For those of you who do have the books, you can follow with me. If not, if you have your Bibles with you, you could also turn and follow with me. Amen. I begin at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. 
Come and see, Lord, she replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. Amen. The reading of God's word. Now, when we look at the situation on, on page 62, Mary and Martha sent message to Jesus that the one whom they love is sick. Now, according to the author, he puts it this way, as Jesus traveled in the region of Perea, located east of Jordan River, he received word that his friend Lazarus had fallen ill. Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha were close to Jesus, and he had often stayed in their home. Yet on this occasion, Jesus deliberately delayed in returning back to their home in Bethany. It already taken him taken time for the messenger to track down Jesus and how he waited an extra two days. The travel from Perea to Bethany also took time. By the time Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, I just want to paint a picture for you. Jesus was in the place by Jordan just after he left the temple uh, in Jerusalem where the Jews were interrogating him about whether he was the Messiah or not. And you can read that in the chapter previous to this. When he answered them that he was the Son of God and that he and the Father are one, they, they find it hard to accept and so they took up stones to stone him. Jesus, of course, escaped from them and found himself, took himself to this section east of Jordan where he was staying when he received the message that Lazarus was sick. So if we look at the picture, really shouldn't be, shouldn't be wanting to go back over in that area because they were looking for him. I don't know about you, but if you feel like you're a wanted man, you won't get yourself in areas where they are, they are looking for you. Right, But when Jesus got the message though, you know they were friends. Mary, Martha, 
Lazarus, they were good friends of Jesus. Think about it. If you have a good friend and you're in need, sickness has taken hold. The message came to Jesus. They were expecting Jesus to come to the aid of the sick man. What do you think out there in internet land? If you found yourself in a position like that, you cry for help to someone who you believe can help. You would feel offended if it didn't come right away or in a timely timely fashion. So I have a question for you. Would you have said the same thing as Mary and Martha? Lord, if you were here. Now think about it. They said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But there's an implication behind that as well. Lord, if you had only answered and come when we sent and call you. Lord, if you were here, where were you when we needed you? Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? Where you're asking, God, where were you? I needed you in this situation. Where were you? What do you think? I don't... I'm not sure if I remember what happened before, but did they not go out of their way to come and tell him that Lazarus was sick earlier on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking they probably asked everyone around them, everyone who was near them for their help, and probably found that no one else could help, and then took the extra step to go all the way to find where Jesus was to ask him for his help. And even after they went through those extra lengths, they probably felt like he didn't go the extra length for them. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. Remember, this was the same Mary. Very interesting. This was the same Mary who had anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair. This was the same Mary that sat at the feet of Jesus when he taught while Martha was busy uh, making sure that the master was fed and looked after, being very, uh, being a good host, Mary feasted on every word of Jesus. So imagine how Mary must have felt. Must have felt like she was shunned by the master because no one around them could help. And so they went to the one who has opened the eyes of the blind, who had healed the sick. And they go, the, the brother that you love, the one that you love is sick. And here's Jesus, our loving Lord, our Savior, decided to wait two more days. I mean, it makes you think if that maybe they felt like they were wrong. Like maybe they did, didn't do something uh, properly, if, if they had done it differently, maybe he would have reacted differently. Mm -hmm. We have a comment here in our, in our chat that says, you know, we often feel let down by God when our prayers aren't answered, especially in the time or in the way that we expect him to. Mm -hmm. I think they're experiencing something very similar to that. That's right. Or it could be perceived that um, Jesus didn't love him as much as he said he would um, they were waiting patiently but he when they needed him the most then he wasn't there he didn't show up when they needed him the most 
it's true it could have been perceived differently they thought maybe he would if he loved him more mm-hmm. he would have done more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and uh if if we can put ourselves in the situation that Mary and Martha were in if we uh, because to understand the culture, we might have a different slight. But what we understand in our culture, if we placed ourselves in the position of Mary and Martha, what are some of the things that you think would be happening around them at that time? You know, if, if I picture their neighbors or their friends, they could have told them, there's nothing more we can do for this man. He's so sick, he's going to die. They're probably telling their friends, but I know a man, I know someone who can help. Let us go find him. He will surely come and be able to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then to return and not have Jesus with them, perhaps the people around them said, well, I thought you knew a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't he as good as you say he was? Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and if you think, think about it, for them, they were already going through some emotional struggles on this. But remember, these Jews were some of the same ones that wanted to stone Jesus because of his claim to be equal with God. They were down there uh, to be support for these two sisters. But I can imagine them saying, oh, you must have been hanging around this man. I t- we told you that this man was no good. You know, uh, look, look now, you needed him. He's not here, but we are here. Or on another angle, maybe there's something that you two did to deserve uh, this kind of tragedy in your lives that your brother was taken from you. You must have been doing something wrong. Of course, you're hanging out with the, the chief of the devils because remember they called Jesus, uh, they, they, they not called him, but said he cast out devils by, by Beelzebub. So the turmoil there was a situation to confuse even the most faithful because you lost someone dear to you and then you're bombarded by these other scenarios around you. You must be thinking, what did we do wrong? Maybe he didn't love us. I thought we were dear and special to him. Even in our situations now, you might be thinking, I have served you, Lord. I have obeyed. I've done to the best that I can. Now I need you, and I'm still stuck in my situation. You know, God, I pray, but nothing changes. I think we probably cry something similar to that right now. That, Lord, what did we do? God, why are you punishing us that we end up in these sorts of uh, situations? Mm-hmm. So if we look at this one question that we have here from the book, how did Mary and Martha react at Jesus's late arrival? <laughs> Think about it. When they heard, when they heard that Jesus, he was, he didn't even get to the house yet, but he was close enough. You know, didn't the scripture said he? Uh, I don't know if he called for Martha. What did it say? 
It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Amen. Amen. Now, which one are you associated with Martha and which one's associated with Mary? Hands down, I'm Mary. If he had come two days ago, yeah, I'd go out to meet him. But now that it's two days afterwards, uh, he can come see me. Mm. And what, what good is it going to do now? Maybe she's thinking. But Martha, you know, we not, uh, many of us not Martha when Martha was busy instead of listening to the Lord. You know, but she heard that Jesus had come. She hurried out to meet him anyways. Even though she must have had some, you know, conflicting thoughts about the whole situation. We get confused when we can't understand why God does things the way he does. But you know what? My answer to that has always been, he's God. He's God. How can you tell him not to do what he wants to do? He's God. Amen. Uh, uh, second question. How did Mary and Martha differ in the way they express their feelings? We have one of our comments that says, uh, Martha acknowledged that God would give her anything that she asked for, even now that it was so late. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, this person associates with Martha instead of Mary. Mm. Mm. So, so maybe this, maybe Martha would also sing the song, even though it's four days late, he's still on time. There was something, Martha felt a little differently about Jesus in this late in the game, as opposed to Mary, I think. She, mm -hmm. she thought he was still capable of doing something that maybe Mary didn't, uh, didn't figure so Jesus confirmed that he said your brother will rise again mm -hmm. but then she said that in the resurrection but then he said I am the resurrection and the life Amen. one Amen. who believes in me will live even though they die Amen. so even see let, let, let's, let, let's look take a, a closer look at Martha here you see when Martha went to meet Jesus, she was still thinking that I will not see my brother again until the resurrection. But she still went to meet Jesus. But he, she said the same thing that Mary said to him. Lord, if you were here, my brother had not died. So I believe she was expressing herself in that sense. But she, she kind of qualify it or clarify some things by saying, but even now, even now, I know, I know the Lord will give you whatever you, you ask, even though she believe her brother will rise again at the resurrection. But Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. You see, Jesus will answer us. <laughs> Always remember that. He will answer us. I have a question for you. Do you think it would have been easier or harder if Jesus had come when they asked, but still didn't heal him or didn't do anything until four days after? Probably would have been harder then. 
they would have been thinking he's here, but he's not doing anything. He's not helping. Mm -hmm. Why did he come? We asked for help, but he's not helping. And uh, that's a very interesting question. But looking at it from my faith and believing God's point of view, I believe God or Christ could not be there and not do something. It it seemed like even even when he when he when he moved after uh, the scripture said he cried. It seemed like maybe he would have delayed even longer, but because you know the the agony that they had, the sorrow got to him. So we always talk about if Christ is in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. It's like if he walks in. You know, there, there's something that changes. So if he's there, uh, well, we can say it's God. He, he has self-control. Yeah. But that compassion in him, he might have been moved to do sooner than he would have. You know, that's something to think about. Somebody might say, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know what? He's God. He said he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He chose to have mercy and whom he will have mercy. Mm-hmm. He could have done that in that situation. There's a reason why he stayed away. Because he told his disciples, this is such that uh, the name of the Lord and his son will be glorified. You know, so he had a plan. Third question. Do you think Jesus' word to Martha were reassuring to her? Why or why not? Maybe not in the way he wanted them to be, especially because he says, uh, your brother will rise. She says, yeah, of course, at the, at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, that's not, not what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So she had had a level of belief, and the way he was speaking to her, I think he wanted to take her to another level of belief. I don't know if she ever really got there, but mm-hmm. it, I think it helped her somewhat. He asked, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. I think that makes, um, that counts as something for her that, okay, the master's here. God is in this situation. That's right. I don't know what I can believe, but I'm trying to be open and, and believe that believe in this man. Mm-hmm. Because, because to have him say, I am the resurrection. Like, I don't know if, if Mary could fully grasp that because even in today's world, we still struggle with that. I am the resurrection. I know, Lord, that he, he will rise again in the resurrection and Jesus is going, you know, don't think of it way out there because that resurrection you're talking about is standing right here. So he can bring it from way out there to here because I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I don't know if it... I'm glad Martha took something out of it, but I don't know if it would have been helpful to me. Hmm. One of my family members just died and he says, you know, I am the resurrection. You know, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Mm Mm-hmm. It, you know, when you're going through a hard time and sometimes people just say, oh, just have faith. 
it doesn't really do all that much for me at that moment. It might be true, but not necessarily helpful at, at that moment. But Jesus, Jesus asked her a very important question that even today it applies to us. Jesus asked her after he said all of that, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then Jesus asks, do you believe this? Remember, Martha has to believe in something that she had not witnessed before. You have never seen it. But do you believe it? I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? Mm. I believe we should ask ourselves uh, that question as well. Do we believe everything that's written in the scriptures that applies to us he came to save he came to he came to redeem us he has a place in store for us that where he is there we will be also it's all based on whether we believe it or not when we believe we accept it you know when we don't believe then we're gonna choose another way but if we believe, we would want to serve him because we want to be where a savior like this really is. It's a good question. He's, you said she's never seen it, but does she believe it? Mm -hmm. If Martha and Mary didn't believe in Jesus, could he still have done a resurrection in that time? Because sometimes we don't believe. Sometimes we've never seen it. And God wants to do something new, but because we've never seen, we, never, we don't have the experience to go off of. Can God still do these things, even though we've never, we uh, don't have enough belief? My take, my take on that part of it was, okay, it seemed to me like they, they, the two sisters would look for healing of their brother when he was sick so they sent and called Jesus and you could disagree with me out there this is you know my my line of thought on it but they didn't they uh, uh, we don't know what Mary thought we assume that Mary would have been on the same wavelength as as Martha so they're looking at some point in the resurrection our brother will rise will rise again there was I didn't see any indication that, that they were saying to Jesus, raise my brother from the dead. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, where did you lay him? They go, oh, by this time, Lord. It's over. Yes. So, so then, uh, in that sense, uh, Jesus was going beyond what they really were looking for or expecting. But I believe the, the declaration that Martha made might have had something to do with it because she must have believed that he was the son of God. He was the Messiah. So he said, whosoever believeth in me. So she believed in him. She might, not might have understood what was going to take place. But she also had said, that I know even now 
whatever you ask God for or ask the Father for, he will do it. And she said, I know you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Whatever proof she has, it's built on her belief in him. And maybe that has something to do with the, the powerful miracle that took place. Uh, question four, and we won't uh, stop on this, but it says, how did Martha communicate her belief in Jesus? So I guess Max also agrees that there was some belief there. Mm -hmm. mm. How did the people, I think this is important for us to take a look at, how did the people react when they saw Jesus weeping over the death of Lazarus? I don't know. They just, it makes them feel like he really did love him. Mm -hmm. and, and then there were others who say, well, couldn't this man who opened the blind eye, couldn't he have uh, healed him? That he would not die. Yeah. So, so the argument that's taking place around could have shaken the fate of the two sisters as well. You know, if, they, if they could have brought her back to the point, if he was here, he would not have died. Couldn't this man that has this, couldn't he have done this? If he was here, couldn't he have done something before we got to this point? Our comments say they were so surprised to see him cry so much for his friend. And I agree, I think, especially because he came so late, they might have assumed he didn't really care for him that much. Mm -hmm. True. And so the, the crying brought him to the conqueror. Yes, he really loved him. But I think all this begs the question, and Lucado asks in this in question six, why choose resurrection over healing? Over healing. <laughs> That's a very, very good question. I think he, he wanted to prove that there's nothing impossible, you know, with God. Like he can do healing, but he wanted to take them probably to a, a higher level to say, okay, you know, you've seen me heal the blind, heal the sick, mm -hmm. um, you know, but there's greater, greater things that can happen. There's nothing that's impossible. So... That's why, that's probably his intention, why he didn't come at first. Because mm -hmm. he said, it's okay. If he, if, he, if he dies, you know, then I can raise him up from the dead. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't in any hurry to go. Because mm -hmm. he wanted to show a greater miracle that God can do. Because mm -hmm. we, we look at how he states emphatically, I am the resurrection and the life. Because you're looking at a dead man. If it was a, a sick man, you know, I mean, you don't take a, let's say you got to take the right tools for the job. So, so if he wanted to show that he was the resurrection and the life for the sick healing him, they already knew that he can heal. Even the people around knew that he opened the eyes of the blind and he had healed the sick. But I believe he also wanted to reveal to not so much only to Martha and Mary, but to his disciples. Because when, when we go back earlier 
to the to the beginning of this this event he said to them he sleepeth and he talks about it being for the glory of God and for their sake mm-hmm. he is happy for their sake because now they get to see another identity another uh, characteristic of the uh, of the son of God of God being being here so he got he used he used the I am and in the the book of John incidentally he used seven of them seven I ams in chapter 6 he said I am the bread of life in chapter 8 I am the light of the world in chapter 10 I am the door of the sheep and also in chapter 10 I am the good shepherd in chapter 11 I am the resurrection and the life in chapter 14 I am the way the truth and the life in chapter 15 I am the true vine so there he was using his name just as he had said to to Moses I am that I am have sent thee so them being the Jews around there would know of that being uh, said to Moses because it was written in the scriptures so he was pretty much revealing who he was and this death was an opportunity for him to declare to them I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live but we still have to believe it mm-hmm. we still have to believe it and they wouldn't have the opportunity to see it unless they went through that harder situation. That's right. Having someone die is a much worse situation than having someone sick. Mm-hmm. It gets your attention. But maybe having them raised from the dead is even more exciting than having them healed too. From it's true. Sick. So they would, if they didn't endure the hardship, they would never have the chance to experience that really great joy and excitement for the bigger miracle for the bigger problem there's a bigger miracle and 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 the greater joy they would not they would not be able to anticipate because they did not know if this was coming this was like a surprise a big surprise that the lord plunk on them if they knew here's a question for you out there too if they knew that the resurrection and the life was gonna come would four days have made a difference <laughs> how long would you wait for a first share miracle that's a good question because you you think about it and you think in their situation if they knew that no matter when he gets here he can fix it mm-hmm. What, would they be crying? Would they be worried? No. Others would be wondering, what's the matter with you? They didn't even love their brother. Mm-hmm. So even when we look at our situation, if you know that God is able to deliver you, if you know God is able to meet your needs, why would you worry? If you know, okay, it might not be today, it might not be next week, but I know my God can fix it for me. You wouldn't worry. You just wait on the Lord. Did the scripture teach us? 
Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. But I think for us, the waiting is not necessarily the worst part. It's waiting for the unknown length of time. So I think, in my in my opinion, if God would often be like, okay, wait two weeks, mm-hmm. and I'll do this for you. Mm-hmm. Even though waiting is hard, it might be easier because you're looking forward to a specific time. Mm-hmm. But if he just says, wait... I feel like for us it's harder because we don't know for how long. And then sometimes, you know, doubts and fears. Is he really going to do what he said? Did mm-hmm. he really say that he would do that? Is he that good that he would do that for me? It, the unknown time factor, I think, is what really makes it hard. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like being a, a little child and your, your, your mom place you somewhere and say, stay there until I come back. I mean, I don't know a child that doesn't trust their mom. I mean, when, they, when you get bigger, you start to think you're, you're all that. But when you're smaller, <laughs> you, if mom or dad says, stay here, I'll be right back. You will stay there. You have every intention of staying there. But then you might see a friend that comes by and doing something interesting. You know, after a while, you start forgetting and you start seeing the fun that you could have. And before long, you might even join your friend. You forgot that mom says, stay here and don't leave. At times we behave like that kid. Because even though he did not set the time and how long to wait. But if he's faithful, you know, if it's not seven hours, eight hours, no matter how late it is, no matter how long it takes, he will be here. And once he's here, we know he can fix it. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a trust issue. Trust in what he says. And time doesn't become a factor anymore. That's very true. One of our comments is, okay, so fine that Jesus chooses to resurrect as opposed to heal. But why resurrect so late? He could have gotten there, even if he didn't heal them. Then he died. Shortly after he could do the work. And resurrected, but he waited four days, they said? Mm-hmm. They, that means there could be no question. That he was related. He was dead, 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 dead. He began to decay. That's dead. That. <laughs> That's dead. Not in a coma. You know, dead. Mm-hmm. So there will be no doubt that this was a dead man. That's very true. Amen. If you notice, the Jews... In all the accusation, they could not say Lazarus was not there. Mm -hmm. They were there. They smell when that stone was rolled away. They knew he was dead. We have a little uh, inspiration section here that I find uh, that Max had done very well with. So I want to read a little bit of it. Martha's words were full of despair. If you had been here, she's... uh, Picture this scenario. She stares into the master's face with confused eyes. She'd been strong long enough. Now it hurt too badly. Lazarus was dead. Her brother was gone. And the one man who could have made a difference didn't. 
we went we go down to the next paragraph jesus wasn't angry at martha perhaps it was his patience that caused her to change her tone from frustration to earnestness so many times we hear soft answer turn it away wrath even now god even now god will give you whatever you ask she still had hope she still had hope in him jesus then made one of those claims that place him either on the throne or in the asylum your brother will rise again martha misunderstood who wouldn't have i know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day that wasn't what jesus meant don't miss the context of the next words imagine the setting jesus has intruded on the enemy's turf he's standing in satan's territory death canyon his stomach turns as he smells the sulfuric stench of the ex-angel and he winces as he hears the oppressed wails of those trapped in the prison satan has been here he has violated one of god's creations this guy has a vivid imagination <laughs> With his foot planted on the serpent's head, Jesus speaks loudly enough that his words echo off the canon walls. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. It is the hinge point in history. A chink has been found in death's armor. The keys to the halls of hell have been claimed with eyes locked on hers jesus asks the greatest question and you out there need to ask yourself the same thing a question meant as much for you and me as for martha do you believe this wham there it is the bottom line the dimension that separates jesus from a thousand gurus and prophets who have come down the pike the question that drives any responsible listener to absolute obedience or to total rejection of the christian faith do you believe this that's why we are called believers now i want to interject something i heard i can't tell you from where i got it but it sounds it sounded interesting to me so i i remember a little bit of it uh, some guy uh, said if Jesus did not call Lazarus by name every single dead person would raise from the dead if he had just said come forth all the graves would have emptied out what do you think sounds interesting but in calling Lazarus he was specific not all of you but that one and only one and only <laughs> I looked at that and I thought, oh my Lord. You know, that's Maybe that's so an example of the greater things that Jesus is talking about for us. Maybe mm -hmm. that's something he's left for us as his followers in this day and age to, uh, to do. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Don't any of you go out by the... The cemeteries and call no dead from out there, right? <laughs> yeah, if we but have the faith, mm -hmm. 
the scripture tells us we could move mountains. We could say to this mountain, be moved, and it would be moved. How did martyrs, in a in, in, uh, couple more questions, question seven, how did martyrs' response demonstrate both faith and a lack of faith in Jesus? I wonder if we do these things sometimes. We pray and ask God for something and he, he sees it as faith, but not faith at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a question that catches me off guard. I would say, I would have said she was mostly in faith. I wouldn't say she had too much lack of faith. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you look at the part where she assumed that she would have to wait till the resurrection at the last day, mm-hmm. maybe that is the part that's unbelief. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, we used to preach messages that, you know what, it's not just, salvation is not just for the end, but it's also for now. And so resurrection is not just for the end. Jesus is also for the right now. Amen. 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 And uh, when we learn to trust, trust him, we can say like Mary, his mother, whatever he says to do, do it. Yeah. Do it. Even when he asked, when he said, roll away the stone. That's probably what he's getting at. <laughs> the roll away the stone. Lord, by this time he's thinking. She just said, I believe that you're, you're the Messiah. Whatever you ask God, he will do. Right? And then he said, roll away the stone. How many times we get caught in that? In our own traps. One side we say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. And then a situation arises that really sap our faith and show that, man, you know, <laughs> we are missing some faith here. We are missing some faith. I mean, we have someone in our comments bring out a good point that she asked, why did you wait so long if you had been here? Which could also have been a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Jesus could have spoken the word from where he was at a distance. And something could have happened. He didn't necessarily have to be right here. True, true. But then at the same time, she'd said, but but God will give you what you ask even now. Mm-hmm. So that part is faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe she is a better, a very good example of what we might be like in our everyday lives. Saying one thing that is full of faith in one sentence, but something that has disbelief in the next. That is so true. <laughs> That is so true. We can put it in the the context. This is what came to my mind. We can put it in the context of, you know, God will protect me if I go on the road at this time and do this. Mm -hmm. Right? We had that faith that I'm on the road. God, you be the driver. You know, I heard my mom pray, take away the steering wheel, you know, because she's depending on God. But at the same time, if, if there's a situation... We would, we would react to that instead of, instead of going, oh, yes, Lord, I know you'll protect me from this. Yeah. So one minute we are here, the next minute, because life throws us, uh, what do we call them, curveballs at times, unexpected things. And so our reaction, our humanism comes out mm-hmm. a lot. 
How was Jesus intruding on the enemy's turf in this story? I mean, after the way he describes it. <laughs> you know, he is the resurrection and the life. He has the power, one chorus says, over death and the grave. And I believe in Revelation, he said he's alive and he has got the keys of hell and death. What a wonder that there's nothing, no carn and nothing at all that is out of God's reach. That's a comfort we should take. If we go down to question nine, how do Jesus's words and action in this passage comfort you? You know, we were just talking about a scenario like that. Think about that. How does it comfort you? It's a comfort in knowing that our lives are in capable hands. He's able to do all that he says. I don't know. His words, his words are a little comfort, but his actions are a big comfort. Amen. I would say just hearing that he's the resurrection and the life can raise my hopes a little bit. Mm -hmm. But seeing him as the resurrection and the life, seeing him bring resurrection into a situation, mm -hmm. seeing him bring life into a place where typically there is no outside influence ever when it's done it's done mm -hmm. seeing him counteract that that comforts me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seeing it hearing it you know t others testifying that he does that that's what comforts me not not necessarily him just saying that mm -hmm. but him doing it to be able to stand in front of a tomb where the man was buried decaying calling by name the dead man comes to life, comes out still wrapped. And all he had to say was, loose him. Yeah. Loose him and let him go. That's powerful stuff. And that he would have the power, loves enough to do that for ordinary man. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And he still wants to do that for us today. Praise the Lord. And I think he wants us to, he did that too, to, to reassure us that we can trust him mm -hmm. no matter what the situation. If I don't come when you ask me, if I don't do what you ask me right now, still trust me mm -hmm. because, you know, whatever you ask, you know, I, I will help you. I, will, I care for you. I take care of you. Right. So I will answer your prayer. Just trust me. Amen. Because his timing, my timing is not like yours. That's right. That's right. He might have a reason for his delay. He usually has reason for his delay. <laughs> you know, we just need to trust him that he will be there in time. In time. We look a little bit as we are uh, coming close down to our time here. Grief often spawns blame. Tiny fingerlings of fault suggest I'm reading life lessons. Suggest themselves to us. Someone we love dies. Perhaps we feel it was our fault. Maybe we feel it was somebody, someone else's fault. And if no appropriate guilty party accepts the blame, then there's always God. Many people today uh, are not afraid to lay the blame at the feet of God. 
if God was such a good person, why did my brother die? We sometimes are so busy assigning blame that we miss the point of death's inevitability. Thank you, Gavin. And the genuine hope of resurrection. Jesus used the death of one friend and the sorrow of two others to demonstrate for all time that real life is more than this plane of existence. As sweet and wonderful as this one can be, it was not meant to be the whole meal, but a foretaste of things eternal. Fellow believers, we do live in hope. We do live in trust that this Savior, who is the resurrection and the life, who had uh, come such that he may redeem us, forgive us of our sins, cleanse us, and take us unto himself. The scripture said he is indeed gone to prepare a place for us. He said he will come again that we may be where he is. We live in this hope. We cling to this hope. Therefore, let us not lose sight of this. We might lose loved ones, especially if they are saved, if they are children of God. You know, we should understand that they have gone home uh, to rest in the arms of the Lord. And so we view that loss as different than others who might not have that hope. You know, we, we look at the prayer that we have in here. And those of you who have the, uh, the book, you can read along with me. Those of you who don't, you can just listen to the words and apply them, reflect them as if they are yours. Father, thank you for caring about our pain and disappointments. Calm the words, the whirling winds of fear and hurt that threaten our faith. Keep us from trying to cope with our struggles by our own strength and willpower. Help us to release our emotions to you and trust you to sustain us. Thank you for your comforting words of wisdom. Let us receive the healing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, in your journals, and uh, make a promise to yourselves to do this, and those of you who don't have it, this is what the journaling about. How will you surrender your past hurts and disappointments to God? I repeat it. How will you surrender your past hurts and disappointments to God? And you can journal on that because a lot of times when we go through this, we are able to flesh out some things that we might not have noticed was still there. God wants us to surrender these to him. So how do we do that? Thank you for your time and interest and participation. My brethren, my friends, so happy that you could join us. And this evening, tune in again next week. Till then, stay strong, stay deep, stay sweet. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. If you have any questions, any points you want to discuss further, the chat will be open for a couple more moments.
couple more minutes. Anyone can uh, take advantage of that. But until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to Edmonton Impact Gospel Ministries. Have a good night. Amen.